This is part one of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, it's counting down. It's going. It's working. Excellent. All right, so I'm here with Jennifer and Josiah. We put in an enormous amount of time setting up what we are now calling the Permaculture Technology Jamboree. So last year, this was the ATC, the Appropriate Technology Course. So we've taken out course because mostly what we want is to have people come in here to exchange uh, information, exchange knowledge. Um, and although there will be some people that will be kind of new to this stuff, I, I kind of like the idea that that people who come to the Jamboree will want to come maybe every year, you know, and, and do this stuff. Like this could be their two weeks of vacation each year. Although we did set it up so that you can do um, a one week. You could come for the first week or the second week. Uh, so when, when getting tickets and whatnot. But uh, we've taken what, what we had last year and we've kind of um, amped it up by maybe a factor of 10. Um, last year, right. yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, uh, last year there were three instructors. Uh, this year there's going to be more than a dozen. And, um, we're really grooving on the Jamboree format. And the Jamboree format is where, um, we'll have multiple tracks. And, and for this event, we're going to have 10 tracks. And so there'll be 10 builds or 10 things happening simultaneously. And then each person who's here can kind of wander around to whichever thing they're the most interested in. And um, <clears throat> for each track, the instructors are going to build the thing and uh, they will build it with or without help. And, and you can come and you can watch or you can participate. Um, although there are two tracks that are designed purely for participation. And so all of this is with reasons. And this, and a lot of this, the whole idea of the Jamboree format started with um, a rocket mass heater build that we had here, the one up at Cooper Cabin. And um, Willie Smits was there, and I was—I remember, you know—I spent a lot of time visiting with Willie Smits. But I remember that there were a couple of young fellows there that were probably like I don't know, 20, 22, or something like that. And on Saturday around noon or so, I remember these two guys were talking to each other, and they were basically talking about how they were bored, and um, they were thinking of leaving. And I think that one of them actually did leave before the whole thing, before it was even lit. And I was kind of thinking, like, we built an amazing rocket mass heater. And basically, like, the build started Saturday morning at probably 10 a.m. And it was lit Sunday afternoon at about 2. And I kind of feel like there was a lot of cob stomping. And, of course, you guys have stomped a lot of cob. And yeah. And after about 20 minutes, I don't know, I think if you're 20 years old and and you're like, 
thinking, man, man, I want to learn all about Cobb. Well, in about 20 minutes, you've learned about all there is to learn about Cobb. <laughs> yeah. I disagree, I disagree with that, but I can see how, uh, you know. You think about you, stomping it, you anyway. Think about stomping it, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. I've stomped some Cobb. I'm an expert now. <laughs> you can't teach me nothing no more. I can test the texture of it with my toes now. <laughs> yeah. I, I've developed great levels of expertise in this, and I've decided I don't need any further experience. <laughs> I'm good. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, these guys, uh, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was Saturday, and they were. it's like the build has only been going on for a few hours, and they're already bored. Right. And I kind of, I kind of felt like um, that's I could I can see how they can end up there. Like like they thought it was going to be one thing, and it turned out to be a different thing. Right. And while there was a lot of activity, and there were a lot of people that were definitely not bored at all, and they were participating and they were having a great time, clearly these two guys were feeling bored. And then there was... So anyway, I kind of felt like this is where I started to get the idea of the Jamboree. Like, what if there were two builds happening simultaneously or two different kinds of things? Then they could go and go to the other thing. Plus, if you're changing up the stuff every two hours on what's being done, it's kind of like... You know, you can't. I, I, I don't imagine you're going to be bored at all. Right. Then the next thing is, is that there was a woman who was kind of like, um, saying, I wanted to build the manifold because I've tried to build this kind of thing before and I got stuck at the manifold and I kind of feel like I needed it. But when it came time to build the manifold, Ernie jumped in there and just built it. So now I feel like I'm a little ripped off here. Right. I came all this way and I wanted to build. So I kind of feel like, all right. I mean, it can always, because when you're building something, a lot of times it's like, okay, uh, one person is going to do this. There's right. no other way. And so it's like, but at the same time, clearly this person wanted hands-on of a very specific experience. And she didn't say anything about it to anybody until after the experience had passed. Right. And it's like, ah, I don't know what we do here, but okay. Um, so the other thing is, is that I wanted to make sure that there was a lot of stuff where it was very hands-on. And so with the, the skip stuff, um, we've got two tracks that are very aligned with skip. And uh, one of them is called the skip track. And so then the idea is, is that like you're going to build a shitty birdhouse. And, and so you get up here, and then, and, and the way Mike has the schedule all set up, building shitty birdhouses is at the same time as building good birdhouses. So those are two different BBs. And so it's kind of like, um, go ahead and build your birdhouse, and you build it. It's important that it's not like somebody else builds it and right. you observe. This is something where you have to do it. You're not going to miss out on any part. If, if you're worried about drilling the hole for the bird to go in and somebody else doing it, no, you're you're definitely doing it. Right. <laughs> so now, do the pod people know what skip is? Skills to inherit property. And so we did do a. I did a podcast with Mike. Okay. Where we talked about um uh you know uh, we focused on an aspect. Uh, I think foraging. We talked about foraging and forage gardening. Okay. And so um anyway, the the key is is that I kind of feel like a at that particular event, if the woman had said something early on, like I want to be very hands on during the manifold build, that that could have been arranged. Mm-hmm. But I think. You know, we had, I don't know, I think we had 12 students for that build. And so then um, everybody was like, 
trying to be right in there and ever while while simultaneously avoiding stomping cop because yeah after you've done it you're kind of like yeah i'm i'm all done i'm all good (laughs) so um the jamboree so we did the jamboree format a couple years ago for uh rocket mass heater workshop jamboree and it was awesome it was great and and this last ATC we did a little bit of a jamboree. We had three different instructors, but um, it was it was not as action packed as I would hope. And so then the three of us sat down and talked about how do we take this event? Because I kind of feel like this event is a bit of the soul of what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And and I like how can I make this event twenty times better and so we worked on i mean we we've put a ton of work into coming up with all this stuff and contacting all the instructors and 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 coming up with a format that's going to be really amazing so um uh and the function of this podcast is we're going to try to touch on all the things that we built during this event including like how they're being worked into the 10 tracks right. so um and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about the instructors and and the people that'll be here and the roles that they'll play and and things like that and in fact i think another thing is is that uh this event the pdc that goes just before this event yeah. um uh boot the boot camp uh deep roots ant village all of the things that we're doing here are dominantly, primarily, for the pod people. Right. It's for the people that listen to the podcasts. Right. And so um, I kind of feel like uh, uh, we came up with a lot of this stuff based on feedback from the people that have listened to if not all the podcasts, a lot of the podcasts. Uh, I mean, like the PDC that we have now um, came from attending that PDC back in 2012, uh, where Sepp Holzer came immediately afterwards. And then I was, uh, I think 40 of the people that were there came from Permies, and I think probably 36 of them had listened to like all of the podcasts, and they were bored. And and so then the idea of the PDC, which both of you have taken the PDC. In fact, we've already got a podcast yeah. where you guys evaluate the PDC and found it to be spectacular and all that stuff. So, um, uh, but Alan Booker's teaching it again this year, and um, uh, and Alan's going to actually be here for part of the uh, Permaculture Technology Jamboree. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, his thing that he's going to do is going to be um, the the Spring Terrace. Um, and, uh, so, the, so I've got a podcast with Zach Weiss. And so, uh, Zach and Alan are talking to each other. Um, and we've already gone over, like, you know, and of course, uh, Alan is trying to task the two of you with, like, go find the place where we're going to build it. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Okay. Why, why the laugh? You got to explain it. Oh, it's difficult. It's, <laughs> we're not sure exactly how to find that spot without just, like, digging 20 random holes with the excavator. Yeah. yeah. But finding the precise um, <laughs> geology needed to build the spring terrace is a non-trivial task. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's an important task, though. So now, 
Alan is going to be here uh, uh, three days before the PDC begins. Right. And he plans on spending those three days deciding where he's going to attempt to build the Spring Terrace. And uh, so maybe some people would like to come a little early and, you know, tag along with Alan and try and learn that yeah. aspect. Man, there's, man. A, there's a lot of stuff where it's like that. Where it's like, where it's like, you gotta, you gotta do your legwork before. But we kinda came up with a thing where it's like, you know, if there's something like that where there's legwork to be done, and there's nine other tracks of stuff going on, um, people aren't gonna wanna do this track. There, right. you know, it's like the, 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 the stuff. So we're talking, we were already talking about all the prep we're going to have to do before the event begins. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and so, oh, and that leads to another thing. The only way to really get in on that prep is to, to do the work trade that's right. being offered. So we're offering four spots for work trade for these events. Uh, so far, uh, zero of those have been taken. So we oh. just announced, we just announced the whole thing just a couple right. of days ago. Um, oh, and, and, uh, also video, speaking of work trade, there's a videographer work trade. Mm-hmm. And so Josiah's, uh, running point on that. And, uh, but because of, uh, because everybody must, of course, be thoroughly punished for the actions of those that have come before them, then, uh, we've got a thing worked out where it's like 500 bucks, like if somebody's going to be like, I'll come and be the videographer. They slap down 500 bucks, and if they actually do the thing and provide the stuff at the end, which they can use all the footage that they took for any project that they want themselves, but we get a copy too to use for whatever project we want to do. Um, but if they actually provide it and actually take the video... <laughs> then they get their 500 bucks back. Right. And so it's kind of like, we just... Because what what was what's happening before is so I'll come and be the videographer and then they don't show up and and it's like uh, well you know because then we'll have seven other people say I'll be the videographer no no we already got somebody it's cool and and then the first person just doesn't show up so we're gonna have two videographers and uh, helping out with that. Normally we would have uh, Josiah be a videographer but he's going to be uh, teaching. Like you're gonna actually be kind of trying to teach two tracks at the same time, which essentially three. Oh, okay. Three. We got we got three projects that I am uh, working hard on design and uh, will be you know providing some some input at least at least some of the time. We've got the Fresnel lens glass melter. We've got the uh, roundwood timber framed sauna and the roundwood timber framed Wolfati greenhouse. Right. Totally. Now, so there'll be three different things that you're going to be leading the build on. And, of course, a lot of people are going to be thinking, like, how can you possibly do that? <laughs> and um, one thing we got to point out, that at the ATC a few years ago, Tim Barker was here. And he did an amazing job of having four builds going simultaneously. And then he would um, get a bunch of students going on a build. And then he would pop over to the next build and then help that build. And then the next one. The next. So he'd keep, we, he'd keep four plate spinning. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think that even though we've... And then the other thing that we're doing, too, is that for each of these builds, there will be uh, a secondary instructor. So you'll be running point on three, right. but there'll be another person that's going to be the secondary instructor lined up for each of the three. So, Jennifer, I believe that you're the secondary instructor for the greenhouse. Is that mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Now, I think you've got one other little 
quick thing that you are the primary for. Right. And that's... Um, the window quilts and condensation harvester. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, any, I think that's just it, just the one, right? Yes. So, but... Um, I think we've got somebody else who's going to be leading the junk pole fence experience, and right. so, yeah, that should be it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's Abe Coley. Abe Coley, cool. Yeah. And so... Pretty excited to meet Abe. Yeah, I, I, really, I really like his bio on the website. <laughs> oh, yeah, his bio is good. A 1,123rd generation fence builder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's documented. <laughs> we should go have some whiskey together and <laughs> think about horrible fence building experiences. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, Abe's been out here several times, and uh, and Abe... Abe has some fascinating stuff that he's done with fences. Um, I don't know if you guys have you guys seen that thread that he's got about some of the the fence stuff that he's made. I haven't looked at it in depth, but I've scanned it and it looks pretty cool. There's yeah. pictures that he has uh, with his bio yeah. of the fence the fence building machine thing. Yeah, that's right. really cool. Crazy. He fabricated his own machine for building yeah. these fences, and it's a totally manual thing. It's not like it's a diesel powered machine. It's just uh, but. But it kind of does something where you feed in some baling wire and then um, you make these poles and um, uh, and then it, it it's for making deer fence really fast, but out of uh, basically junk pole. Mm-hmm. It's it looks really amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> and and so he's gonna have it here. Oh wow. And we're gonna we're gonna see how it oh. does. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. So. Um, all right, and then uh, I know that for the other two builds, uh, so the rocket sauna, which will be roundwood timber framing on skids, mm-hmm. um, then I believe there's a guy named Eric that's going to be um, the secondary on that. So yep. he's going to be working off of your designs, um, and then uh, the third one. What was the What was the third one that you were running point? Flam. The Fresnel glass melter. Okay. Which so. this year, you know, it's it's a it's a little bit of a secret where that one's going to end up. Um, I've got some. I got a couple different competing designs. Um, it looks like. We're probably definitely going to be building um, a DIY sun tracking system that will orient the, you know, orient the the glass melter towards the optimal sun direction. But um, but there's also a number of just complete, uh, completely different design ideas that we might end up impl- implementing. Some could be using an intermediary uh, heat exchanging material. Some could be just like a bigger setup. But uh, we'll see. That's that's a secret. Well, the design for that track is that while. Um you're going to have a strong influence on what goes on there. We've arranged so that almost all of the instructors will get a chance to have like a half day or maybe even a couple of days to influence what happens next there. Right. And so, um, uh, cause I'm kind of thinking like, cause you got it to the point where, um, you could melt glass, but it would only melt small bits of glass and, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be magnificent. It was it was like a lot of like you had to baby the thing. You had to mm-hmm. sit there and keep nudging it mm-hmm. to, to get the 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 hot spot to be you know right on the glass. And um and then there's also some uh, concerns about uh, uh, annealing the glass. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. 
So clearly it needs a tracker. Um, and then I kind of feel like if we get to the point, like maybe four days in, it's like, oh yeah, we're making glass tiles. It's, it's really great. Then the next thing is, is like, okay, how do we simplify our design so that way thousands of people can make their own phlegm? And, um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to stick to the name. You like saying that. I like, I like the name. <clears throat> the, uh, so anyway, uh, um, there's going to be all the, all of the different people that are here will get to, a chance to mix through and and try their ideas on all these different things because this is our big innovation for the year, right? I mean, actually, well, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the greenhouse is going to be one. Let's talk about the okay, the glass melter. That's a full track for the full two weeks. That's one track, right. and we're just swapping out who's in charge of the next bit of innovation that goes on and so far is there four weeks of work into the into phlegm yeah probably yeah Yeah. so then uh but it was mostly just you by yourself it was probably and yeah i mean and a half a half day each day you know like i was i was doing the boot camp for the half day and then working on on the glass melter for a half day okay so um so there's going to be a full two weeks of like, let's get this thing to be magical and mm-hmm. awesome, um, and and that's a full track. Now the and track two is the Wafati greenhouse, and so we, up until this event, we've never even uttered that those two words together. Right. And so basically, we started talking about what are our needs, and so Allerton Abbey needs. A gray water system, but for a gray water system to be really truly effective, then it needs to work throughout the winter, and that's always kind of been an Achilles heel of a gray water system: is that um, you get the gray water heading off to a bunch of uh, plants that'll suck up all that stuff and be like, "This is delicious," and um, uh, but they don't do well in the winter time here for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, all right. Well, let's make a greenhouse and and let's get them to do great here in uh, in the winter time. Um, and then, of course, Mike Ayler's work comes immediately to mind because um, in a structure that wasn't particularly well sealed, then he had tomatoes in December. And um, I really, I kind of feel like a lot of the work that we're doing here uh, with let's call it permaculture technology. Um, is with mass and and thermal inertia, and Mike's designs were very much for those greenhouse designs, very much thermal inertia. So I've I've been to several greenhouses where people are saying, I built an Ehler greenhouse, and I say, where is the trench? Oh well, I didn't put that in. Okay, what? so what? Yeah, see, no, so so Jennifer's making this face like the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that was kind of. I feel like the two main concepts in his book were like it's earth sheltered and it has the cold sink trench, and everything yeah. else was mostly gravy. Yeah. Right, just standard issue greenhouse stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and and so um, I kind of feel like yeah, it's got a. It's got a berm on the north side, and you know, of course, this is northern hemisphere. Right. But a berm, so a berm on the side that's away from the sun, and then you've got your solar-facing side, and then there's going to be basically it's it's a long, skinny greenhouse 
where you've got the area that you walk and then you've got the big bed and there's not like a whole lot of air in the greenhouse compared to other greenhouses and there is a lot of air under your feet because there's that five foot deep trench under your feet and um, so you're walking on this platform over this trench. So um, what what's going to happen is that um, uh, that air down there is going to be a pretty consistent temperature, generally like 45 degrees. And so then when you get to this freezing temperature space, or it's freezing outside, then um, that that 45 degree air is going to now start to rise up and and displace this um, uh, warmer air. Anyway. <clears throat> or displace the colder air, yeah. which will then get moved back down, et cetera, et cetera. So then everything up above is going to stay warmer than whatever it is down deep. Um, <clears throat> I once talked to Mike probably 12 years ago about an idea of um, putting a little pipe in there that's going to um, uh, uh, be like possibly copper, possibly like an inch in diameter, and then anodized black on the top where it's exposed to the sun within the greenhouse, and then it goes down to the bottom of the trench. And I suggested that when the sun is shining, that it will stratify, or I'm sorry, it will eliminate stratification. Because like a lot of times in a greenhouse, when it gets hot, it'll be like 120 degrees at the top, while it's still 45 down at the bottom of that trench. And so then theoretically, this pipe is going to then start pulling all that cold air up and heating it and pushing it to the top, which then moves the warmer air down to the bottom, which then heats what's at the bottom of the trench. Yes. Now, um, for the Wafati greenhouse, uh, we're going to make uh, a couple of variations. One is, is that on that north side... So the side away from the sun, um, we're going to put in the uh, thermal inertia layer. So we want to get dry dirt going 20 feet back. So it's like if if we're going to heat that up, we want that heat to get carried in deep and try and make it more of an annualized thermal inertia. We want to get that annualized thermal inertia. So we're going to use that annualized thermal inertia, which... Speaking of which, okay, the two of you are staying in Allerton Abbey, and and you recently did an annualized thermal inertia test. Right. Uh, And so do you have, like, a 30-second summary of that? Seems pretty good. (laughs) Okay, well, that was... That's the four-second summary? That ought to do. (laughs) Jen spent 10 days heating the Abbey up, um, you know, artificially, bringing in in wood and heating it up, and... To 80 every day. 80 degrees Fahrenheit. 80 degrees every day for 10 days, and the result is that its resting temperature before this this period of heating was around 45 degrees, and now the resting temperature is around 68 degrees or 60 uh, 60 degrees, 58, 60, yeah. right around there. Um, and so the the how many days has it been since you stopped doing the additional heat? Um, we started on Monday, and this is Monday, so yeah, it's, it's been a essentially week. a full week. Okay, um, and it's still holding that temperature. Right. Yeah. So instead of a slow downward sloping trend. 
we found that with normal use being in the abbey, cooking there, etc. Which you were doing normal use before. Right. And it was 45. And it was holding at about 45. Now we're doing normal use and it's holding steady at, like Josiah said, about 58 to 60. So about um, 15 degrees warmer. Right. And we're finding, like, before, even with normal use, it did seem like the trend was very slowly moving downward. Um, now it seems as if the trend is holding pretty steady. Okay. Like, it'll be a little over 60 in the daytime when we're cooking and working, and it'll be a little under 60 in the morning when we wake up, and it'll just hover around that sort of homeostatic point now. So now... <clears throat> Uh, we did say that this year the only test that we could possibly do would be indicative tests, yes. not a true test. But with annualized thermal inertia, it could potentially take three, five, three to five years right. to, to really see what it can do. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's been a lot of people that have commented, I, as, as we talk about this, the comments that I've been getting back from different places have been like, uh, well, there's been a lot of very, of great support for what we're doing. Like, right. you know, experimentation is what it's all about. But there's also been dumb fucks that, that reply and comment and say, this is, this is fucking stupid. You can't hold heat more than like half a day. And it's like, I think you just proved that that guy was a dumb fuck. Yeah, you can definitely you can definitely hold heat for more than half a day in the structure. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, I mean, it's been a week and it's been holding pretty steady. At, and yeah. and it's not like we're in a warm spell here. It's uh, it's been um, uh, pretty much the, uh, normal for for most. I mean, we're in February now. Right. Uh, kind of a normal February-ish thing where it's like uh, every night it gets below freezing and every day it gets above freezing. Right. And we've been doing things like hauling frozen cob materials into the abbey <laughs> um, since we artificially charged the mass. And we did a lot of cobbing in the walls, which essentially operates as an evaporative cooler in the yeah. space. So, and it's still holding up really well compared to what it was before so we're happy the cool thing about this greenhouse is going to be that um i think because because there, there's another fascinating thing too about to get it to 80 degrees mm-hmm. how long did that take like a week of trying to bring it up to 80 the first time okay now i gotta explain to the pod people why would it take a week why not just why can't you get it up to 80 like in half an hour right the mass just eats the heat also the what we're using to heat the space is a rocket cook stove which is not real it's not a rocket mass heater it's not designed to heat the space it's designed to move the heat out of the space um but any heat it does manage to put in is just absorbed into the mass and it's very hard to bring the interior temperature up because of that. Now, I think a big problem that people have with greenhouses is that um, in the middle of winter, it'll be night and it'll be 10 degrees outside. Everything in the greenhouse is going to freeze unless you add heat. Right. And and people heating their greenhouses can be the most ex- could be for some people the most expensive thing on their whole homestead. Mm. And so it's kind of like, uh, and then the other problem is, is that um, it's summer or maybe even I'm in summer, maybe it's the middle of winter and everything inside, it gets to be 140 degrees and everything dies. Sure. And so it's too hot. 
But it's, I'm kind of thinking like if we mix in the Wafati with the greenhouse, then it's kind of like, okay, here comes the 140, but the temperature is holding at 80. Right. It just can't seem to get above 80 because well, it's sucking up all that heat. Yeah. And then because it's annualized, you get it in the middle of winter, and it's kind of like it's super cold, and it's, it wants to go below freezing on the in- interior, but it can't seem to get below 50 um, because um, of all the heat that's coming up. But <clears throat> we're going to go even one more step further. So we're going to add the Wafati element to this greenhouse to buffer the heat so you don't have the highs and the lows. Right. And we're going to take the idea of the trench and go farther. Josiah, do you think you can do that? You can talk about that? We're going to build a thermal well, um, which is essentially a well casing that's uh, that's buried 20 feet down. Um, that'll allow the cold sink to go very deep, and we're going to combine that with uh, Paul's pipe that's anodized black as well to 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 de-stratify, do some circulation. So we're actually um, we're using the well casing and all that earth that it's that it's in contact with as thermal mass um, to store heat and to draw and circulate. Um, so this will even this will help to provide more temperature stability in the greenhouse even than uh, just the the regular cold sink. Now, one of the things that John Haight wrote about in his book is he felt like when you got 20 feet deep, you got to where the temperature is a constant. And so there's this, so basically everything in his designs, which includes, which then passes over into our designs to get that annualized thermal inertia, that the, the magic number is 20, 20 feet. And so we're going to try and put in <clears throat> this thing 20 feet deep that'll have that, yeah, that, that pipe in it, that, that'll be a pipe in a pipe. So six inch well casing combined with, um, this piece of, um, copper tubing that goes down near the bottom and is exposed to the sun. Uh, so I, I don't know, I guess that one will be 25 feet. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and blackened on one end in order to be able to absorb the heat from the sun and thus, uh, move air. Yeah. Now, of course, this is all experimentation. And so there's all sorts of places where everything can fail and be miserable. But we're not going to find out until we try. And then when we try, it could either be utter failure or it could be half-assed failure. And then if it's if it's half-assed failure, then it's like there's room for optimization. And, totally. And it's like uh, already we're, we're, we're so full of ideas about optimizations that it's kind of like it's we're suffering from premature optimization. And we got to just try something and have it fail and see how does it fail? What's, what flavor of fail was it? And, well, and it's, you know, in one sense, this whole design is really an optimization in itself because we're building upon the success of the Aylor Greenhouse. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, and it's like, uh, and I think a big part of the Ehler Greenhouse uh, thing is that, like, we're talking about people just don't seem to understand it. Um, and I think we need some better wins with the Ehler Greenhouse. I have... I, I can imagine that Ehler, the Ehler style greenhouse done exactly the way Mike Ehler says, but, you know, an improvement over what he did. Cause he, he made his greenhouse with all this stuff 
and it was his first try. Right. And he never did a second try. Oh, wow. And I haven't heard from anybody. I haven't read anything, seen anything, where it's kind of like, here is like my my try based on his book, which would effectively be a second try. And then it's like, and then I learned a bunch of stuff, and then I made a th- I made another greenhouse, which would be try number three. Right. And yeah. so I kind of feel like I wish I had that information at, at hand. So um, I kind of feel like, well, you know, we'll we'll build this one, this Wafati greenhouse. And again, the O in Wafati is for Ayler. We're standing on the shoulders of Mike. And we're trying to take his designs and, and improve upon it and go farther and farther and farther, which is pretty much what a Wafati does, too. Um, and so it's it's kind of like, uh, uh, hopefully, well, the next thing is, is like, if it works well or even if it doesn't work well, we'll build another one and then another one, another one. I mean, when it comes to building a Wafati, we're in the middle of the test. But even if we were to build a new Wafati, like this summer, a brand new one, I mean, there's probably about 20 things that we would do differently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Josiah cannot speak currently. <laughs> was was 20 too small of a number? 50 different things we would do differently? I mean, just even just one thing differently, you know? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and and so the berm shed, of course, has taught us a lot of stuff too, and and uh, and uh, there's a lot of similarities between the berm shed and the wafati, mm-hmm. but um, the the key is is that we've got to keep building in order to be able to optimize these designs. All right, Wafati Greenhouse. What uh, what else is there? There's the gray water system. We're going to, um, for the gray water system that's going to be in the Wafati Greenhouse, we have decided that we're going to go with um, stainless steel pans. Right, like hotel pans. Yeah. yeah. And, and it'll just be a series of them. And um, that way... Uh, we won't be dealing with um, like uh, the moisture just going into the ground right there. I mean, with right. a with a gray water system, you want to move it from um, a container to container, and usually this is done with um, cement. And and we're doing everything we can to avoid cement. cement. Correct. Um, and so, uh, although you know, and that would be something. I don't think we have it set up for the jamboree is make your own cement. Oh, right. That uh, was something we talked about, but maybe that'll be next year. I still haven't done that, but it seems like every time you mention it, it's more like teach you why you never want to make your own cement. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, the reason why we don't want cement is not only the massive carbon footprint, but because they're also mixing a lot of toxic kick into it totally, now. Totally. Um, <clears throat> but... Uh, uh, if you make, you can make it yourself, and if you do make it yourself, um, you'll realize that, wow, that took a lot of energy. Yeah. To make it. Right. And so, um, uh, and then if I wanted to, like, pour a foundation for a house. <laughs> sure. It's like, if I'm gonna make this myself, the energy footprint is gonna be insane, so now suddenly you're, you're looking at this thinking, I can see why the carbon footprint is so massive right. for cement. Um, uh, I think I think that the carbon footprint for cement, if I remember correctly, is seven percent. So of our entire carbon footprint. Oh wow. Yeah, seven percent is pretty. So a lot of people talk about like I'm gonna I'm gonna be a vegan and I'm gonna save myself. I'm gonna reduce my carbon footprint by being vegan. I think that um, each human being's carbon footprint because of cement 
is actually bigger for than than if they were to switch to being a vegan. So as much as if you're thinking like I'm going to be a vegan and reduce my carbon footprint, you would actually be doing better if you could eliminate all cement. Right. And so, all right. But that's another story for another day. Um, uh, okay. The, so we got the rocket sauna is sort of the next on the list. All right. Um, that's track three. Cool. Which uh, the purpose of this uh, this artifact, this build, is to is to have opportunities for roundwood timber framing, uh, a skittable structure, and a rocket a, a rocket stove, um, rocket heater. Yeah, it'll be a rocket. It won't be a rocket stove, right. <clears throat> but it will be a rocket heater. It'll be so basically like a rocket mass heater, but without the mass. Yes. It'll try to throw off all of its heat immediately, um, and uh, so. I know that Jennifer and I have had a lot of conversations about the design of the rockety bits, which then leads to the design of the um, skittable structure. And um, I think we're going to go with an 8-inch system, because what we want to do is we want to heat it up in there fast. So if somebody's going to take a sauna... They're going to go in there. They're going to heat it up fast, and then it's going to. They're going to regulate the temperature by, you know, how much wood they then put in after that, and um, uh, and then of course start adding water to the system if they right. want, and 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 those kinds of things. Right. Um, and so it's going to be a fairly small space with an eight-inch system, yeah. and it will heat up so fast. I mean, if you think about it, in a way, the rocket mass heater we have in this house is kind of a six-inch system. It was designed to be an eight-inch system, but then the wood feed has been reduced down to that of a six-inch system. Right. So, and it heats this whole house. Um, so it's it's kind of like, all right, now put it into a very tiny space, <laughs> smaller than the room we're in right now, and that's going to be the sauna. It's going to get hot quick. So uh, for the first week is building the structure, and for the second week it's going to be putting in the rockety bits and the benches. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, and you guys have been working on a design for that. Yep. Uh, we got to get that up on a thread or something. Yeah. Well, we have a thread <clears throat> for our personal rocket sauna on Permis, which is sort of the... The Our first, first step, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that we were planning before we decided to do this one for the PTJ. Um, but yeah, we need to get the one for the PTJ is larger and has a different design for the rockety bit. So we need to get a thread up for that. Okay, uh, and then I'm, I've I've been getting emails from people with different design suggestions about saunas, um, and it's kind of like. <laughs> We really need to have a thread for this, so that way I could say, go post this stuff over there. Yeah, interesting. I didn't <laughs> know if you, you were just, getting like... If you just email me, yeah. <laughs> then, you know, what am I going to do? No, no, no. you gotta got to share with these guys. Yeah, forward yeah. those to us. Yeah. <laughs> So then, uh, in theory, on the last day or two of uh, the Jamboree, there'll, there'll be sauna action. Yeah. Although, in fact... Um, Let's hope. I don't think we mentioned the... I think that the Jamboree starts on June 29th. Here, let me... Yeah, there it is. It starts on... It goes June 29th to July 10th. Um, and uh, there's a day off in the middle, right. July 4th. 
Um, sure. That just happens to be Saturday. <laughs> we, we usually, for these events, we usually have Saturday as a day off in the middle of the event. And so, uh, but we just keep right on going on July 4th. <laughs> right. It's like any other day. I think, uh, what the cooks prepare might be a little bit different because it's the 4th of July! <laughs> it's burgers and hot dogs, everybody! Watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is continued in part two. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.